Hey guys, welcome back to the Austin Davidson Podcast. This is episode two, and uh, let's get right into it. So yesterday we talked about the beginning of my channel, uh, where it came from, where it's going, and I just harped on many of the things uh, I want to talk about in my podcast. So let's get right into it. And the first topic is YouTube investigating right-wing pundit Stephen Crowder for harassingvox.com host. So I... I heard about this, but I haven't really got into it. So let's read this article and uh, discuss it. So a tweet thread from Vox host Carlo Mazza outlining several instances of right-wing YouTube commentator Steven Crowder making homophobic racist comments about him has prompted an investigation by YouTube, the company confirmed to The Verge. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the homophobic racist comments were, comments were so let's keep going. Mazda, the host of Vox Strike Through series, but as Mazda video recaps on Twitter clearly shows, Crowder's video routinely, routinely contained egregious violations of YouTube's policies against cyberbullying, including repeatedly referring to Mazda as an anchor baby, a lispy, and a Mexican. Among other derogatory terms, Mazda says that Crowder's hateful commentary has, result, has resulted in a wall of homophobic and racist abuse on Instagram and Twitter from Crowder, Crowder's fans. Uh. Okay. YouTube's community guidelines state that content deliberating li- deliberately that content deliberately posted in order to humiliate someone, making make making hurtful and negative negative personal comments or videos about another person or incite others to harass or threaten harass or threaten individuals on YouTube are prohibited. More than a year ago, YouTube has vowed to crack down on hate speech and hate harmful content. What do you guys think? Y'all think that um uh, the comments he uh, referred to Mazda as anchor baby, let's be queer, and a Mexican were uh, derogatory. I don't know what side I should uh, go on, but I'm thinking I'm leaning more toward. Uh, I don't really know. It's, I can see both sides, but I'm I'm leaning more toward. Uh, um, uh, Carlos Mazda, because they were derogatory. In in the sense. Actually, very clearly, but YouTube has taken the side of Crowder, which I'm not sure why, but maybe I'm missing something. Let's keep going. But YouTube has been floated at. Despite flagging multiple videos of, over the course of months, it wasn't until Mazda viral tweet thread last night that YouTube reached out to talk for the first time. YouTube's team told him that they were thankful for, help, for his help and would investigate Crowder's flagged videos. In the meantime, Crowder has published his own video in response to Mazda's tweets, Mazda, Mazda's tweet thre- um, thread, defending his series as a political com- comedy and disavowing, disavowing any form of doxing attacks his viewers have, must have under, uh, undertook. Um, despite clearly violating YouTube policy on cyberbullying, Crowder is claiming that Vox is attempting to have his channel terminated. The Verge reached out to Crowder for comment, but, has, but did not hear back by the time of publication. Okay. So political comedy. I've not watched any of his videos, so I probably should watch some before um, making a opinion. Before we get to the video, uh, with our favorite favorite lispy sprite <laughs> from Vox, it's ridiculous. It's bonkers. You're being given a free pass as a crappy writer because you're gay. That's center line. That is a little queer graph there. <laughs> what is? What is well, that now the graph is queer. Is violence, filth. Okay, so the little queer can eat his chips all nonchalantly. It's code for rape, Mr. Queer eating chips on the box. 
wow. Um, I'm not saying anything derogatory, but the way he's portraying him may be a little derogatory in a, in a sense. Which I see both sides. He say he's he's calling him what he wants to be called because uh, he said it in before, but the way he's saying it, like he's mocking it, which I think is uh, probably the main issue here. By refusing to enforce its anti-harassment policy, YouTube is helping incredible, incredible powerful cyber bullies organize and target people they disagree with. Which is, uh, I think, is, is a sense of, I think there's a, a I'm, I'm leaning toward uh, Carlos Maza, um, because, uh, in, in a sense, he's not doing, um, Carlos isn't doing anything to uh, harm Maza. But he is making fun of him, in a sense, I think. But I may be wrong here. Please tell me in the comments below. Because um, I kind of learned just as uh, you are. He couldn't even process... This isn't new for Monster. He's been dealing with Crowder since 2017 when the YouTube creator first started debunking Strikes 3 episodes. Crowder has used homophobic and racist language in videos in Monster since the very beginning. But YouTube told Verge it wasn't until last fall that he began to feel the severity of Crowder's videos. Mazda was shopping when he got a phone call from an unlisted number. The voice on the other end asked his name and took a pause that Mazda described as unsettling. Before the caller could finish his question, why do you hate, Mazda hung up, and hung, up, hung up scared. He couldn't even process the call before the hundred, more than 100 text messages spammed his phone, all with the same message, bait Steven Crowder. I just started blocking numbers, Mazda told The Verge, but my phone was basically un unusable because it kept blowing up. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, I don't want to defend Crowder, but it does seem like he didn't, he didn't want to dox him, but inadvertently he did, I think, or maybe people, reporters of Crowder found um, Mazda's number and started doxing him. So whatever Crowder was doing was in sense uh, pushing hate toward Masa, maybe unwarranted or, or unwanted uh, hate toward him, but because of the way he portrayed Masa in his videos, it uh, incited bullying, cyberbullying. So I don't know how it's kind of like a gray area because he didn't incite it, but he did cause it. He, did, he didn't incite it in a way, in uh, in a voluntary way, but he did incite it. So that's a gray area, I believe. <laughs> Even when I'm writing scripts now, it's always like looking over my shoulder thinking, is there a way to write? Is that a way to write, write this? Is there a way to write this that will allow me not to get blowback for this? Mazda said, Mazda said, this is how I used to act in high school when I was brutally harassed before being gay. I'm still constantly looking over my shoulder. See, this is the, uh, like, this is why you should, you shouldn't, uh, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't play that much about someone's identity, especially in the public eye, because it can make others feel bad in a way that you don't know how they're processing it. Even if you thought it, was, uh, it wasn't it was that derogatory, even the way you portraying him and acting it, it, um, it has an effect on people. Um, Mazda doesn't blame, oh see, Mazda doesn't blame Crowder. They're always going to be bullied, he said. The only difference between bullies and middle school on YouTube he argued is a, having a principal or teacher step in and remove the bully from the equation entirely. They will realize one side is being the aggressor and that's unacceptable. Enforce actual penalties on the bullies. 
YouTube has previously said that eliminating, eliminating hateful and harmful content is its number one priority, but Mazda doesn't see action against the goal. It's YouTube's fault. It's YouTube's fault, Mazda said, because they created a rule and realized it was too risky for them to enforce that rule. It put me in the spot of publicly showing everyone my humiliation to get YouTube to care. They know better. There's no algorithm that's going to fix this. The only, only thing that, that's going to fix this is smart humans saying, we know this is what people want, we're not going to give it to them. We're going to shut it down because it destroys the whole community when we let people's work or work profit from bullet work profit from bullying. I just wish they had a bravery to recognize that and act on it. I, I'm 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 leaning toward a Mazda on this, even though Crowder's videos weren't aimed at bullying. He was making fun of the, the way he acted and what he. Carried, uh, carried himself, which is wrong in any sense, I believe. And I don't know if YouTube should take down his whole channel or uh, they, I did read somewhere else that they demonetized his channel, which I think is probably the best solution. But taking someone's whole platform away uh, for making a joke that may have been in, uh, in jest, well, uh, making a joke that wasn't meant to cause harm but inadvertently did i don't know what do y'all lie on this issue uh let's go to the next topic so on a lot of news apple unveiled uh, all new mac mac pro and ground breaking pro display xcr so here's the picture of it people are saying it looked kind of like a uh cheese shredder which i kind of agree um uh so san jose california apple today not today, but Apple introduced the all-new Mac Pro, a completely redesigned breakthrough workstation for pros who push the limits of what a Mac can do and unveil Apple's Pro Display XDR, the world's best Pro Display. Designed for maximum performance, the expansion and conf configurability, the all-new Mac Pro features workstation classes Eon processors to 28 cores, a high-performance memory system with a massive WOW, 1.5 terabytes of capacity. 1.5 terabytes of capacity. Oh my god. Eight, I don't know what PCIe expansion slots are. A graphic card, a graphic architecture featuring the whole world's most powerful graphic card. It also introduces App Apple's Afterburner, a game-changing accelerator card that enables playback of three streams of 8K ProRes raw video simultaneously. Yeah, I'm not a pro because I have no idea what most of that means. I do know my computer runs on eight gigabytes of uh, RAM, so 1.5 terabytes. That's insane. I think my computer has four cores. It has 28 cores. I'm MacBook Pro, if you didn't know. Um, uh, Pro Display XDR features a massive 32-inch Retina 6K display with a gorgeous P3 wide, 10-bit and 10-bit color, and extreme 1600 nits of or nits of peak brightness and incredible one million to one contrast radio. A super wide viewing angle, all at a breakthrough price point. Together, the new Mac Pro and Pro Display XDR are the most powerful tools, and Apple has, tools Apple has ever put in the hands of Pro customers, and will change Pro workflows forever. Um, how much is this? Let's, let's look this up real quick. How much is Mac Pro? Oh, thirty-five thousand. 6,000, yeah, I'm not getting that machine. My Mac Pro is perfect for me. But, um, 
Let's keep reading the article. Where were we? Right here. Okay. We designed a map code for users who require a modular system with extreme performance and expansion and conf configurability. With its power, EON processors, massive memory capacity, ground-breaking GPU architecture, PCIe expansion, afterburner accelerated car, and jaw-dropping design, the new Mac Pro is a monster that would enable pros to do their life's best work, said Phil Schwiller, Apple's senior vice president of world marketing. Pro Display XDR is the world's best pro display and a perfect companion to all new Mac Pro. With Retina 6K resolution, gorgeous color, extreme brightness, and contrast ratio, a highly functional design, Pro Display XDR delivers the most comprehensive set of features ever offered on any display at this price point. $6,000? I need to look up other computers that are $6,000. Or what? How much is the display? Did it say? Let's see. Uh, is Mac Pro Display. Oh, it's $5,000. I don't have a $5,000 display, so I don't know how it compares to other $5,000 displays, but no. Um, wow, that's kind of neat. No screws, just an easy off and on. Tremendous powerful power and massive bandwidth. Designed for customers who demand the ultimate in CPU performance. For workflow that production, like production rendering, playing hundreds of virtual instruments, or simulating an app on a dozen iOS devices at once. Mac Pro features powerful Eon processors up to 20, 28 cores, with 64 PCI expressive length for tremendous performance and massive bandwidth. Oh my god. It also provides over 300 watts of power, along with the state of of the art thermal architecture to allow processors to run fully unconstrained all the time. Yes. I don't know what that means. Um, enormous memory capacity and expansions. From for pros working with the largest projects, analyzing huge data sets, or running multiple pro application Mac Pro provides, I'm sorry, enormous memory capacity to meet needs as they grow. <sighs> Featuring a six channel memory architecture, 12 physical DIMM slots. The new Mac Pro allows for a massive 1.5 terabytes of memory, the most ever available in Mac, with eight PCI Express. I swear I'm wearing the same thing over and over again. Is that just me? I'm wearing the same thing over and over again. Uh, world's powerful graphical architecture and introducing Apple Afterburner, a game-changing accelerator card. What does that mean? The new Mac Pro dis debuts Afterburner, featuring a program programmable ASIC capable of decoding up to 6.3 billion pixels per second. 6.3, oh yeah, I don't know what that means. With Afterburner Video, 6.3 billion, oh maybe I do. Uh, after, with Afterburner Video Editor using high quality cameras that require the conversion of native file formats into proxies for easy editing can now use native formats right from the camera decoding, decode up to three streams of 8K ProRes raw video and 12 streams of 4K ProRes raw video in real time, virtually eliminating proxy workflows. Um, stunning modular, uh, well, this is probably exciting if you're a pro in this field, this, this uh, Mac Pro, I probably won't be getting it, I'm not a professional in any sense of the word, so if y'all want to get this, what, $6,000 for the, the base PC, uh, $5,000 for the the monitor, I think the stand was a thousand dollars. I don't know what that's about. Uh, but I'm moving to the next story because I'm not that interested in this. But I do like Mac. I have a MacBook Pro, 
But let's move on to the next story. X-Men Dark Phoenix bombed at the box office. Box office X-Men Dark Phoenix bombed with a catastrophic 14 million Friday. 19 years ago, X-Men kick started with a little help from Spawn and Blade. Oh, I, I love Blade as a kid. As a kid, I watched like, what, I'm 22 now? When I was like 20, so not a kid, two years ago. <laughs> um, the modern comic book superhero movie boomed with a 20 million opening day. Uh, last night, Dark Phoenix ended the franchise with a whimpering earning with, with a whimper earning just 14 million on its first day. The that translated into 8 million opening day and tickets prices the day Ryan Series X Men opened in theaters. Generally speaking, a movie scoring 14 million dollars on a single day would wouldn't exactly be a disaster in the making. But when you're dealing with a poor, poorly reviewed franchise title, whose initial installment opened with 20 million. 19 years ago, sans any 3D or IMAX boost. Yet, yeah, that's a loss. <laughs> um, I, 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 if you watched the first episode, you know I don't, I didn't really like all the X-Men uh, movies. I did like X-Men Origins, which I thought was a good one. People say it's one of the worst ones. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Not just me. I think it was my second favorite behind. Well, it's my fourth favorite behind Logan, Deadpool uh, one, Deadpool two, and then X-Men Origins. I don't know. I like like X-Men Origins. It was pretty good to me. Don't come down my throat. Uh, uh, don't DM me. Don't, wait, don't at me. Uh, generally speaking, movie scoring 14 million on a single day wouldn't exactly. I just read that. Uh, Bearing a miracle, this is going to open below the Wolverine. I saw the Wolverine. That was an okay movie. X Men, uh, X Men First Class was, was a pretty good movie as well. Snap the lowest Friday Sun Friday to Sunday debut in X Men history. I don't care. Uh, that isn't the top movie of the day. Uh, I like Kevin Hart and The Secret Life of Pets. I'm excited to see uh, Secret Life of Pets. Uh, I saw Secret Life of Pets 1 with Kevin Hart. I love Kevin Hart, and I can't wait to see Secret Life of Pets 2. That's besides the topic. Uh, the Secret Life of Pets 2 was always going to win the weekend, but the numbers at play are tragic. Are tragic. Uh, yas match. Uh, okay, sorry. What, what, what we're seeing is not a somewhat disappear disappointing series final. Finale for the 19 year old and never outright rebooted X Men series, but a performance relatively on par with Fantastic Four back in 2015. I hated Fantastic Four in 2015. I prefer the ones before that. What was it? Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer. Those were good movies to me. If you can recall, Fantastic Four was projected to open 40 million in August of 2015, but a poor movie is bad and not fun for your, your or your or for your your kids' reviews. This movie is bad and not fun for you or your, or you, you. But poor, this movie is bad. Is bad and not fun for you, for your, for. This movie is bad and not fun for your or your or for your kids. Reviews and overestimation of public's appetite for a Fantastic Four brand. Director Josh, Josh Trank infamously trashing the compromised theatrical cut on Twitter just before on Twitter just before the opening day led to a 25.7 million dollar launch. Which is still better than the 14 million dollars that Dark Phoenix got. So you know, tracking is not an exact science, but that was a 36% difference. Yes, 65% of Dark Phoenix projected 50 million launch and will indeed be 32, which is close to where the one might end up on Sunday. Oh, the week is not over yet. Today is Sunday. Um, uh, that also it might might do better than uh Fantastic Four. That a fable groundbreaking franchise will end. This way is not a little heartbreaking, even if many of the mistakes were 
mistakes made were before by their own hands. A 2.5 multiplier for a 14 million opening day will be 35 million um, for the weekend, which will be around 21 million back in 2000. Once again, poor reviews and overestimation in the brand sans is popular character slash actor combo. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, which everybody did. I'm just staying my staying my opinion. It's a fact. He was the best. And whoever's going to replace him in the Marvel Universe, they have a big load to carry. Impact Destroy as Professor X was amazing as well. So whoever takes those two, again, uh, well, James McAvoy in the new series did a pretty good job too. So I'm not too worried about that. But whoever plays Hugh Jackman in the next series is going to have to be amazing. Lack of butts in the seats. Movie stars save for Jennifer Lopez and Jessica Chastain in comparatively small roles didn't help either. The other factor which I've been wanting, warning for, not me, the other factor which I'm reading, which is the Arthur, which I've been wanting for about four years, about four years, is the choice to redo a cover book that has already been done in movies or movie form. Hardcore fans may have wanted a second go at the figure saga, but journalists audience already saw that play out on X-Men Last Stand. We sold more tickets domestically, 235 million in 2006 in 2D than any X-Men movie save for Deadpool. I never used that, uh, that um, phrase before. X-Men save, which I guess means except for Deadpool. Never used that used that way. It didn't help the, that everyone knew that the franchise was going to be rebooted in the MCU after uh, Disney purchase of Fox. To be fair, had the movie been better and better or better received or offered something new, then that would have been more trivia or factor in this favor. Logan would have still thrived under the shadow of such news. Folks didn't show up for Dark Phoenix because they didn't want to see the Dark Phoenix and their more prospect of oh another X Men movie with the cast or continu continuity, which itself wasn't itself an event. Comparatively speaking, I didn't look. Think it looked good, and the reviews confirmed that, that it wasn't very good. X Men as a brand is much less of a big deal than it was in the early days when it was among the only games in town. MCU just blew that out the water completely. Um, X Men uh, tried has tried to beat them after they came out. DC um, the DCU has tried. No one's doing it. No one's even coming close to what Marvel has built over the last what 10, 11 years. Um, they Marvel just um, Warner Brothers should just give uh, the rights to Disney so Disney can make a better uh, DCU. But I like Aquaman, uh, um, Shazam, and Wonder Woman. So there's hope. Hopefully the Flash will be good too, but only time will tell. Uh, we can do long, long-term projections tomorrow. It may find some, well, tomorrow's today. It may find some sal salvation overseas, but it's not going to be scorched. Earth numbers in China or in anywhere else, and reshoots allegedly set the budget soaring over uh, under 200 million. So this is like Wolverine, which could be solid hit at 412 million on a 120 million dollar budget. X Men movies are even the generally good ones aren't very leggy. <laughs> We're we are probably looking at the best case scenario of 97 million domestic and a doomsday scenario of around 73 million, with a continuous focus on Xavier. Versus Magneto, Dawn of Ideology story at the expense of every other narrative or character-specific avenue. The franchise about evolution re refused to evolve, bearing a fluke. It died yesterday, well, two days ago. By Scott Mendelson, the senior contributor at Forbes.com. 
okay guys that's the uh, end of my podcast my second episode i will see you well if y'all have any uh comments on, on the second episode i know it's kind of weird because this is my my second episode i'm still kind of trying to get the hang of it i may have stuttered i may i'm a little nervous but uh support me on uh, the comment down below uh see you next time peace